Welcome to the Next Step Community Church. So, funny thing happened within the last, uh, I don't know, eight, ten days. Um, there was a baby that was born. I'll give you the short story because I can't give you the long story. There was a baby that was born uh, addicted to heroin and uh, the mother didn't name her and the father, there was no father on the certificate. And so um, the, one of the people who were involved, who I hadn't seen in years, said that the Lord put me on her heart. And she said, there's this little baby. And so after a series of miracles, the baby who was born addicted to heroin and is still kicking heroin is in our house and has been with us. This is, this is what she looks like. Isn't that great? Yeah. I, would, Shelly, would you send the picture that you took? Uh, that's, a ter- that's the terrible picture, not the, not the one there. Um, but that's my, that's my youngest daughter now holding my youngest daughter. You know what's going to happen with that baby? We're going to have to teach her about how to be in the Cologne family. You know why? She don't know. In fact, she was born with things to not know. She's already addicted to heroin. In fact, I have a terror of one of my children experimenting with alcohol or drugs, because I know that once they do, it'll be like, where have you been my whole life, you know? Because that's kind of where we come from, you know, that sort of thing. And they'll find the joy in it and not realize the pitfalls. But, so, we, we named her. We named her uh, Isabella. Isn't that a nice name? It means, God is my oath, and he is. So as she grows, I'm going to have to teach her how to speak, not me. (laughs) It's going to be Liz, my wife, for sure. But we're going to have to teach her how to speak and how to behave and how to deal with conflict. Because when you're in a new family, you got to learn how to speak, you got to learn how to behave, and you got to deal with conflict. We're going to have to teach her how to, um, what love looks like and what boundaries look like. We're going to have to teach her her, um, things that are acceptable to do and say and receive and things that are unacceptable to do and say and receive. Because when you come into the Cologne family, you find that there's a way to be. You know that's true in the new family of Jesus, right? See, in the new family of Jesus, you come in as babies, abandoned by uh, maybe your own folly and foolishness, having hurt yourself in so many ways. You get to the new family of Jesus, which we call the church. And you got to learn a new language, and you got to learn what's acceptable and not acceptable. You got to learn boundaries and you got to be able to receive correction. And you, that's just, in the new family of God, 
everything is different. That's why we started this brand new series called Family Matters. The series called Family Matters is here because many of us here are new to the family of God. The problem is we take our old family stuff, bring it into the new family of God, and think that that's what God would have for us. Like, Isabella is going to be kicking heroin for a long time. A long time. Babies evidently kick for longer than uh, adults, because like adults can take medication and stuff to help out and stuff like that. Oh, that was the picture. Yeah, isn't that a beautiful picture? Yeah, that's... <laughs> no, show us the one with literally going like this. <laughs> There's my youngest daughter. Oh, look at that. Look at that. That's my youngest daughter holding my youngest daughter. But she's got a lot to learn. And beloved, so do we. So do we. So we started the series called Family Matters because this family matters. How we learn and grow, how we discuss and speak, how we fight and solve problems within this family matters. Now, I know that some of you are so new to the family, you're like, I have no idea how the new family of Jesus is supposed to go. I am so glad you're here because this is the reason that we started this series. Some of you have been around for a long time and I'm glad that you're here because we're gonna to need to correct some things. There's, there's some things that we learned that aren't right or true or good. And so we wanna to learn to be the new family of God. Now, we're gonna read from a text that I've already preached on before, but you don't remember because nobody remembers my sermons, it's terrible. Just think about this. What did I say last week? I don't know. I was here. It was like six days ago. It wasn't even seven days ago. So we're going to pre, but we're going to look at it from the lens of being in the family of Jesus. And I'm begging Jesus that he would awaken our hearts to abandon some of the old ways of being in favor of how to be in the new family of Jesus. Would you stand with me as we read Romans chapter 12? And if you're here and you're new, I am so grateful you are. Welcome to the Next Step Community Church. Man, if you slept in the park, if you're going to sleep tonight in the park bench next door or in the penthouse across the street, you are welcome here. I am thrilled that you're here. What you will find in our church is a group of people who are both broken and needy of Jesus. And those are for the wealthy and for the poor. That's for the educated and the uneducated. I am grateful that you're here. Let's look at this passage uh, in Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read all 21 verses. It's going to be long, but it'll be good for you. So, therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Let me just pause for a second. Just, um, that word, therefore, the reason Paul is saying therefore is because in the first eight chapters, Romans, the book of Romans that we're reading from, this 
is the most densely theological book in all of the Bible. It is chock full of insights and thoughts and teachings about who God is and what he has done. The first eight chapters are talking about what God the Father has done. The next three chapters, 9 through uh, 11, 9, 10, and 11, are uh, chapters that speak about what uh, uh, God the Son, Jesus, has done on our behalf. And he's saying this, therefore, at that point he goes, therefore, since all of this is true, since God has done all of this in order to draw us to himself, since God has moved, turned over every stone and made every effort and done everything that we need in order to be saved, therefore, with that in mind, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve of what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do you do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other, all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with their faith. <clears throat> If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share, the Lord, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. There's a lot there. But in Romans 12, what you find is 
great instruction on how the new family of God is to respond, relate, act towards one another. As we're in the new family of God, now that, oh, wow, you're in Christ, I'm in Christ. You're in Christ, I'm in Christ. How should we react? This is how we're supposed to do community. It's instruction. Because, and the reason that Paul has to do this is because those of us who have been in our families have discovered that some of the things that we learned growing up weren't very helpful. Ways on dealing with conflict, ways of speaking to one another, ways of communicating affection or even receiving affection. We just, we learned all sorts of things, some of it good and some of it not so good. And so we learn in the new family of God how to relate to one another. So I want to I wanna hammer this in, and I can't, I, so you, ha, you do understand that it could take me easily six or seven weeks to preach through this. Um, I mean, honestly, we could probably, if you got, especially if you got into the deep weeds of verses 9 through 21, it could probably take about 20 weeks, or maybe 25, um, to preach to that. So you got to know, we're going to take a high-level view. We're not going to uh, uh, try to lift up every rock. Um, but we're going to see what God is saying. Now, I already told you about the therefore, that it's uh, uh, re reflecting back to everything that Paul has said up to this point. But I want you to see this. And this is just uh, the first eight verses is sort of a broad strokes that the gospel at work in our church produces. Here's what's going to happen. Now, you do understand that our church is comprised of people like you and you and you and you. So when we talk about the church being something together, it's going to take you and you and you and the rest of us to actually start responding to the spirit of God in this way. So the gospel at work in our church produces these three things. The first one is lives surrendered to God. Now, in your bulletin, I believe in your bulletin, you have what's called, what we call a sermon map. In the sermon map, you'll find the scripture that we have, and if you turn it over, there'll be little places that you can fill out. If you have a pencil, uh, uh, you can write it in. Now, if you don't have it, if you just raise your hand, one of the uh, hosts will come to you and bring it, and if you don't have pencils, they'll bring you that too. Um, while we're doing that, I want you to just see this, that the gospel, if the gospel is at work in our church, meaning in our lives committed together, then lives are going to surrender, are going to be surrendered to God. You see that in verse one, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, that our lives are lived as sacrifices, surrendered and given to God first and then overflowed to each other. Our lives are surrendered and given to God first and then overflowed into the lives of each other. We live surrendered to God. Not according, we don't live surrendered according to our culture and our culture has some thoughts to say about how we should relate to one another and how we should relate to the world. We don't do it according to our upbringing or even how we feel. 
Our lives are surrendered to God because when they're surrendered to anything else, self-centeredness becomes the king and Jesus is removed from his throne. Beloved, if we're going to be the community of God, it's, here's what I know about community, being in community for as long as I have. It's hard. It's not easy sometimes, right? Sometimes I rub you the wrong way. Sometimes you rub me the wrong way. And the difference, and, and if we're saying, oh, no, 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 we're not just friends. We're not just gatherers. No, we're family. All right, well, if, if that's true, then we're not going to respond the way we do with friends or, or non. We're, we're going we're gonna to respond differently. Our, and the reason we're going to respond differently is because our lives are surrendered to God. Second big picture idea that I want you to see in the very beginning, first eight verses, is that our minds are being transformed by the gospel. Our minds being transformed by the gospel. So our lives are surrendered to God, our minds being transformed by the gospel. You see that in verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the ideas and the thoughts that we need to have towards one another, they're, they're not, they're, they're new. They're not the old ways. This is why, this is why especially, believe me, Next Step Community Church, this is why it is so important that our minds be steeped in the gospel. Let me give you a very simple illustration that's happened in this church maybe a thousand times. One person will walk by another person. Usually, it'll be a person in a position of leadership. And then the person who they walk past doesn't get acknowledged. Now, who knows? The person in leadership could have his mind on some other things. Maybe he was distracted by uh, preoccupation. Maybe he was moving to say hello to a new person. But he walks past the person. And then you know what happens, right? What happens is that the person who says, that leader walked right past me and says, oh, what am I? Chop liver? What, they don't love me here? I don't want to come back here anymore. And it's, it's because their minds haven't been transformed by the gospel. Here's what's going to happen. When, when, if your mind is transformed by the gospel, when that person passes you by, there's two things that happen. One is that love thinks the best. Oh, they must be in a rush. They must. You don't automatically think. I mean, are you like one of those people who think that every horn as you're driving, that every horn that's being honked is because of you? Like, you know what I mean? Like while you're driving, it's like, hur, hur. oh, what did I do? No, maybe it's not you. And maybe the reason that they passed you by is not necessarily you. It's for some other reason. Because our minds need to be transformed. by the. We, are, we need to have our minds renewed. There's a hundred ways that we need to have our minds renewed. Brothers, we need to look at our sisters as sisters, not as something that we can get something from. Our minds need to be renewed. The church isn't just the place where you can get your needs met, and we want you to have your needs met here. Good night. We're the, we're the Next Step Community Church. We meet needs, like in a big way, like no kidding. Like our smallest gathering is on Sundays usually. Like, we meet the needs of thousands of people. But listen to me, beloved. If you've been coming here 
and that's all you think your role is, is to take. No, no, no. I want, I want your mind to be renewed. You have gifts that if you give, our church will be better. You go, but I don't have any place to live. You go, I don't have any money to give. I don't have any talents to share. Beloved, I'm telling you, if you're here, the gifts that God has given you will make our community better. But you need to have your mind renewed by the gospel. And thirdly, our, first, our lives are surrendered to God. Our minds are being transformed by the gospel and our community. Our community is without competition. If our church is going, is, if the gospel is going to be at work in our church, then we'll have church without competition. Community without competition. And you see this in verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, uh, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. Jump down to verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members and whose members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, though we form one body and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. So I, I just got a gift today, just before I came here. Uh, a woman uh, decided to send me, she can't be here today, but she decided to send with a friend a sancocho. Isn't that wonderful? Now, if... Now, now watch this. I give her the gift that I have to give her. That is teaching the scriptures. Does that make sense? Okay. She gives me the gift that God has given her to give to me. Sancocho. Now, let's pause for a second and ask this question. What if we got jealous with one another and said, oh, no. I'll give you a sancocho and you teach the Bible to everybody. Well, what would happen is, number one, she wouldn't be able to teach because she would be vomiting because of the sancocho that I made. Do you understand? It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work because it's not my gift. I mean, I suppose I could get better at it. I'm just saying, if we switched right now, if I got jealous at her sancocho making skills or she got jealous at my uh, 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 teaching skills, then neither one of us would be blessed. I would have learned the scriptures and she would go hungry. You see, when we're in the word of God, our community is without competition. There are gifts that you have. And they're your gifts are not my gifts. And my gifts aren't your gifts. They're totally different. And so the thumb doesn't get angry at the eyeball and the mouth doesn't get angry at the eyelash. It's just, you, what happens is we celebrate. And when it's not working, and when it's all broken, then everything is messed up. Runners know this. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a runner. I mean, I guess I'm a runner. I've been doing it for a couple of decades. But runners know that when you hurt one part of your body, look out. Your ankles affect your knees, your knees affect your hips, your hips affect your back, your back affects your butt. It's just a mess, right? And listen, that's true in the body of Christ. Beloved, you have a gift. And that gift, if not used, is hurting our beautiful community. I want you to use your gift. I want you to cook sancocho if you're a sancocho person. 
I want you to teach if you're a teaching person. But I don't want you to be jealous and I don't want you to be in competition. I want you to be surrendered to however, whatever part God would have to play. And what is that part? I don't know. I know that if we are committed to our, the new family of Christ, that it will be a beautiful thing. And everyone will be blessed. Okay, so you see that big sort of framework in verses 1 through 8? Okay, now... I cannot do verses 9 through 21 any kind of justice in the few minutes that we have left. It is 25 small commands. It's like Paul is giving us like a book of Proverbs in one chapter. And he just starts shooting out little commands. Listen to some of what he says. He goes, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Stop. I mean, is that enough right there? Yeah. Right? I mean, like, okay, love must be sincere. I'll be honest with you. Eh, hit or miss with me. Um, hate what is evil. I can tell you sometimes I love what is evil. Be devoted, uh, cling to what is good. I don't. Sometimes. I let loose what is good to grab a hold of what is bad for me. I know none of y'all can identify with thee. <laughs> Be devoted to one another in love. Sometimes it's a discipline. Honor one another above yourself. I am in a constant competition to put myself first in every interaction I have with others. Beloved, there are like 25 of these little commands in this little section. I encourage you throughout this week to start going over them in your devotional time and asking the Lord, Lord, I know this ain't about, I know this ain't me, but let's look at it this way. Anybody know whose love was sincere? Oh, Jesus' love was sincere. Anybody know the one who hated evil? Does anybody know who that is? Jesus. Okay, this is, a, this is an easy uh, pop quiz, okay? The answer is always Jesus, okay? Just play along with me. Okay, anybody knows who um, clings to what is good? Anybody? Anybody? Jesus, right? Yeah, um, anybody know who's uh, devoted uh, to others in love? Anybody? Jesus. Anybody knows who honors others above himself? Jesus did it all. Every one of these commands, 25 of them, more than 25, 25 plus, every one of them are demonstrations of what Jesus has done for you. Every one of them is how Jesus has given his life for you so that we might overflow it to one another. So that we might receive this great love of Jesus of being loved sincerely and being clinged onto and being devoted and doted on and to being honored and loved. Listen, he's bestowed that upon you so that when the person passes you by, you go, what? Look at what Jesus, this person hasn't loved me well, but look at what Jesus has loved. Maybe I can overflow love into their lives. Maybe I can be the person who brings peace and joy and honor to our community and not just give me, give me, give me, give me. So, 
How can we practically cultivate a loving community now that we have all this in mind? Okay, so full disclosure, I got these um, three points from a pastor in uh, Portland. His name is John Mark Comer. I just recently started to listen to some of his sermons, and I thought that this was really helpful. And so I'm going to share it with you. I don't think you care that I'm not original. I, you do realize that, and there's never a thing that I've ever taught you that's like original, right? You, you get that, right? Okay, cool. Um, but I, I got that from him, so you're never going to listen to a sermon, but who cares? I just wanted to tell you. Um, how to practically cultivate a loving community. And here's three um, that if you put all of what we just looked at from verses 1 through 21, they fall into three general uh, categories. Here it is. Here's the first one. Forgive each other for not being Jesus. Okay? If we're going to practically cultivate a loving community, we're going to have to regularly forgive each other for not being Jesus. In other words... Not everybody is always uh, as understanding. Not everybody is always as patient. Not everybody is always as forgiving. Not everybody is always as generous. Not everybody is always as serving. Not everybody is always as kind. Not everybody is always, like, like you just know this about yourself, right? I was, I'm walking down the street with my son yesterday, and I just, like, exploded on him. And it's just like, oh, why'd I do that? Why'd I do that? Here's something I know about my, my children. They're going to have to learn to forgive me for not being Jesus. I am a broken, broken person. And, and here, we're going to have to forgive you too. The person sitting in your seat. We have to forgive each other. If we're going to practically cultivate a loving community, what I mean by practically cultivate a loving community is that if here's the things that we're going to practice to slowly grow Loving community. And I'm not even saying that we're a loving community, although I think we are a beautiful community. I love our community. I'm saying that if we're going to grow it into a truly loving community, a Jesus-looking community, a new family of Jesus community, we're going to have to regularly forgive each other for not being Jesus. Secondly, we're going to have to listen to each other from a place of love. In other words... Here's what I know. Whenever I have an issue with someone, like let's say, for instance, someone lies to me. If they lie to me, the reason that they lie to me is because they're a liar. If I lie to them, it's complicated. <laughs> you know why, right? Because when they lie to me, I, I, I caricature them. You know what a caricature is, right? I exaggerate aspects of who they are. You ever seen those little, in 42nd Street, you should, I'm sure you've seen them, right? Where they make the big face and the little body. It's a caricature, and they, they accentuate the worst parts of who you are and all that stuff. It's very funny, and you get it, and you pay the guy money to make you look stupid, and, and it's great, right? When, when, someone, when someone does wrong to me, I, I caricature them. They lie to me because they're a liar, they stole to me, they stole from me because they're a thief. When I lie, when I steal, eh. if you understood the circumstances, if you just, if I could tell you my side of the story, if, if you could only see the needs that I had. See, see when, I, when I sin, there's all sorts of 
uh, history and backstory when other sin is just this, they're sinners. And that's why we need to listen to each other from a place of love, recognizing, recognizing that this person that I'm speaking to is one for whom which Jesus died. There is beauty in this person. There is what um, theologians call the imago Dei. Isn't that a cool uh, phrase? Imago Dei. It's Latin for uh, the image of God. You have that on your life is the image of God. That's why we love, we love, we don't care where you come from, what parts of life. We don't care if you smell of booze or if you smell of Chanel. We don't care. We just this is a beautiful community where we need to grow in loving, in listening to each other, in the love that Jesus gives. And then finally, and this, this one is probably the toughest. We need to stay when it's tough to stay. I don't know if you've ever stayed anywhere when it's tough to stay. We need to cultivate this idea of staying when it's tough to stay. You know what I mean, right? I'm not talking about not here. And here's the thing. A lot of us come from very, very broken backgrounds. I'm not talking about staying while the husband is beating you and saying, well, the pastor said, you know, stay when it's tough to stay. That's not what I'm talking about. It's a totally different um, uh, animal that I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about instead is there are going to be moments when we don't do <laughs> the other stuff that we've talked about. And when that happens, I want you to stay. I know it's tough to stay. You, you started dating that girl or that guy who uh, sits a, you know, three rows up and two seats to the left. And then it didn't go so well. You didn't do it Jesus' way. You thought you could do it your way. And, and then it blew up. And then here's what happens. Here's what Satan does. He goes, tells him, oh, you ain't going back there. You know why? Because she might be there. You know what he tells her? The exact same thing. Neither one of them are pursuing Jesus now. And they're shipwrecked their spiritual walk. Do you see? Do you see? You need to stay when it's tough to stay. You need to stick it out when it's tough to stick it out. Okay. Now, so you know, I, I want to go back to what we were talking about in verses 9 through 21. Because this really is the work that Jesus has done in us. Because he has been patient and loving, because he has honored and uh, uh, been careful to do what is right because he has the one who's lived with peace with everyone as, as far as it depended on him because he is the one who loved to such a great degree I want you to experience his love and then I want you to overflow it to each one of us if we do that, here's what's going to happen if you start doing this, here's what's going to happen as the musicians come up if you do this What's going to happen is you're going to be a contagious human being to be around. You're going to be somebody who people love to be around. And then you know what happens if enough of us, if there's enough of those contagious people in this community, this community will be a 
contagious community. I, I remember there was this woman, true story, um, in this 12-step program uh, that I go to. And, um, and this woman was, and the addiction that the 12-step community addressed wasn't necessarily the addiction that she struggled with. She struggled with an addiction, but it was different. And, but she came every day for like decades. She came. You know why? Because she just loved the community. It was so attractive to her, she couldn't imagine battling with her addiction without these people. You know what'll happen here? Same thing, same thing. We'll be the kind of people, could you imagine? Could you imagine your sons and your daughters, your cousins and your sisters? And you go, oh, I wouldn't want my sister to come here. I know, but would you imagine if you became that loving person that made it possible for her to be here? Could you imagine? Oh, it would just, listen, you know what the Lord would start doing? He would start addressing some of the bitterness in your soul. You know what he would start doing? He would start working on your marriage. You know what he would start doing? He would start addressing some of the shame that you walk in on at the back end of your life. He would start addressing all of that because that's what loving communities do. They heal and they transform and they're attractive. My prayer is that we would become a loving community, not a group of individuals who meet in a particular place, but that we would be a loving community.